This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. We celebrated Margaret Atwood's 80th birthday this past Monday with Fight Back's Zoomer Squad. Libby Snymer was joined by Peter Mugrich, senior editor at Zoomer Magazine, Marissa Lennox, chief policy officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging, and David Kravitz, vice president at Zoomer Media, to talk about how the Canadian literary icon is now more relevant, famous, and prolific than ever. She's still writing. She's still busy. She has described it herself as saying when you're self-employed, she used that phrase in one interview, why would you ever stop? It's really up to you. But I think it's not just that she's still at it. If you just look at the range of subjects that she writes about and gets into and her nonstop curiosity, you know, you got crime, you have science fiction, you have character, you have politics, you have finance. It just seems that she will, she has this mind that will tackle anything and everything and just keep doing it. And it's really amazing. Peter, was she just kind of lucky with timing? They happened to be shooting a TV version of The Handmaid's Tale as Donald Trump was elected. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people are making that connection. Yeah, well, well, she even said, she said, I think she told Time, she said, I'm having a moment. And no one could have predicted this. You know? It's lasting a lot longer than a yeah. moment, I'd no. say. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we, we studied her in, in high school, and um, that was many years ago. And uh, one would have thought her moment was past then. But, but, you know, now she's twice as popular as she ever was. And like she says, no one could have predicted that. Yeah, and this year uh, she won the Booker Prize yeah. for the second time for her new novel, which is a sequel to Handmaid's Tale. She has this hit television show. She's frankly, I mean, you said it at the beginning, at the height of her career, and she's 80, she's still going strong, you know, and, um, you know, if you even consider just the sheer size of her work, I mean, she's written dozens of of, of novels, fiction, nonfiction, poetry books, uh, sh- short stories, children's books. on a new book children's of poetry. Books. There's just a, a documentary that, that came out about her that we featured on Zoomer Week in Review the other week. You know, you can't even say she's a late bloomer because because she's been well. I think in it's I think it's 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 fifty years since uh, the first novel. I think um, in that range. So she's been publishing at the top of her game for for half a century. Mm-hmm. She was a poet, a uh, very established poet, successful before she became a novelist, and then you know the novels come out, uh, and then. The divergence of theme, you know, crime, a graphic novel, uh, um, speculative fiction, sci-fi, uh, she touches everything. Yeah, but I, th- I think her, her real métier is this dystopian. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. She's called the prophet of dystopia. Yeah. But, but she has to yeah. bring a lot into that to make yeah. it realistic, yeah. too, because but, it's yeah. not all speculative. And the other thing is, is I mean, all generations read her work. Yeah. She speaks to everyone. And she's really, uh, you know, an icon, and uh, a, a brilliant author, but just an inspiration to so many people. Um, 
as I said, 80 and, and still yeah. doing it. It's yeah. Pretty impressive. And she has 2 million Twitter followers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging. David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media. And Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, our Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We continue to have conversations on Fight Back dealing with issues particularly hazardous for older residents of Toronto. One of those issues is the concern around icy and snow-covered sidewalks, primarily in the old city of Toronto where the city does not clear the sidewalks during winter. A snow-clearing pilot project gets underway next month, targeting 10% of the sidewalks in the old city of Toronto. But both city councillors Josh Matlow and Mike Layton want to ditch the pilot project and instead clear all of the remaining sidewalks. Mayor John Tory joined Libby Snymer to give his take. First of all, and you were fair in saying that it's 18% of the sidewalks that we're not clearing. So I, I want to make sure people understand we are clearing 82% of the sidewalks. So 6,400 kilometers of sidewalks are cleared by sidewalk plows. The problem has not been over time. And I think that the, the, the two councillors, uh, Matlow and Leighton, and it's not the first time they would have done this. So they're being disingenuous in say, saying it's strictly a budgetary matter. The fact is, First of all, it relates to the history of the city where sidewalk plowing was something that was a feature of uh, uh, service delivered in the suburbs, if I can call it that, previous to amalgamation and not so much downtown. But secondly, and more importantly, in the context of fixing it, uh, it is the question of different kinds of equipment. Uh, people will know if they think about it for a minute, because everybody spent some time downtown, that the sidewalks are narrower and that there's a lot of different constraints compared to the more wide open uh, you know, situations that you have in the suburbs. And so when we said honestly that what we were going to do this year, and let, let's again look at the positive, is we were going to, to have a pilot project on 150 kilometers of sidewalk to see if the smaller machines we'd have to bring in, which we did last week, they were on television, people could see them, whether that was going to work for us or not, and what the cost was going to be. Again, I, I find that with some of the council colleagues, and the two that you had on are people that are, you know, do this often, they will get up and say we should pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. We should expand everything. We should double and triple and, and do everything. And they're, they are the, the people that they're speaking to that this radio station speaks to in many cases are the very people who tell us when they're on fixed incomes, pension incomes or whatever, that if we were increasing property taxes five and six percent a year, that they would uh, you know suffocate under that kind of increase and have to lose their home. And so my job is not to stand up and promise everything to everybody, which others do. My job is to find that balance. And I'm very much aware of the fact that it would be desirable if we could, uh, you know, plow more sidewalks. But I also am mindful of the fact that we, that we have a program uh, offered by the city to make sure for seniors and disabled people that you referred to, they can get their shoveling done. I'm also mindful of the fact, by the way, that there are lots of cities where there's no shoveling of sidewalks. It's done by people themselves. Um, and actually, in many of those cases, there are fines for not doing it. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's a reality. The counselors you had on would be among those who would just say, you know, damn the torpedoes, increase taxes as much as you have to to do everything. And I, I, I just know that is not a feasible proposition that, you know, we can't have to afford to have taxes go through the roof because some of the very same people you're talking about who would certainly, you know, be better off 
off walking on a cleared sidewalk would be the very same people who would say, please don't increase my taxes to the point where I get forced out of my house. And so I'm not saying that it's one or the other, but I'm just saying that I can't afford to stand up and say, sure, why not? Uh, when first of all, and most practically speaking, we don't know if we even have the right equipment on the narrower sidewalks to get this done because we haven't been doing it ever before. And secondly, we have to take into account, um, you know, uh, all of the different uh, considerations here. So uh, but the thing is that I think is so unfair about this is that rather than make a decision that I would consider to be irresponsible, which is before you know that you have the equipment that can get this done wherever you have to get it from, and that's what we proposed to do this year, and they were harshly critical of us doing a pilot project on 10% of the people sidewalks that aren't plowed now, and we actually got the equipment in. People saw it on television arriving last week, so it's real, and we're doing this as opposed to standing up and saying, sure, we'll shovel all sidewalks right away when we know we know the people who actually have to speak responsibly about this, that there isn't the equipment on hand at the moment uh, to to do that. And we're going to try it out. So, I, you know, I look, it's uh, if I sound a bit frustrated, I am just because they take the discourse off into this zone that sort of says somehow I'm the bad guy when what I'm trying to do is make decisions and not create false expectations, make decisions responsibly, take account of what I believe to be my job, which is to both make the right decisions on things from the standpoint of safety and all the rest, but at the same time, to make the right decisions that involve the proper management of the city's finances. Toronto Mayor John Tory in conversation with Libby Snymer. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Now we turn to the ongoing efforts to reduce the number of pedestrian deaths in this city. Despite the increased focus and money for the Vision Zero plan, tragedies continue to happen, and many of the pedestrians killed are older. Police Chief Mark Saunders has asked the Police Services Board for a special enforcement unit to crack down on dangerous and aggressive drivers. Joining Libby to talk about the plan, Superintendent Scott Baptist of Toronto Police Traffic Services. We've asked for a million dollars in funding that is going to give us the opportunity to put about eight police officers a day, Monday to Friday, through the course of 2020, throughout the year. And we're going to be putting these officers at at very specific locations, we're working with Toronto Transportation to identify key locations and times where that type of enforcement might make a difference and, and uh, performance or a, a potential for safety improvement. So that's what we're looking to do. Between 2013, when this unit was disbanded, and 2018, the number of tickets issued dropped from about 400,000 to just over 200,000, and the number of collisions started rising from less than 60,000 to 80,000. That's that's pretty clear. Yeah, the when we created when we grabbed the statistics to show that graph, we thought it was important to show that to the police services board and the and and our partners at Toronto Transportation, because they need to see that. Uh, that team was making a difference, in our opinion. But there are other factors as well that come into play. Um, I mean, we had several hundred more police officers in the city of Toronto uh, back in those days. We're now probably 700 police officers less than we were then. And we have to do things more efficiently and more effectively because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a resource issue as well. Do you see technology as making a difference in this or the enforcement or a combination of both? I, I would say a combination of both. I think technology is 
is really, really critical in this because technology will give us the opportunity to have cameras uh, situated in many different locations. And as you've, uh, I know you've spoken about on your program, it's community safety zones and school zones and places where when you think of the Vision Zero plan, these are places that have been identified that speed enforcement is really important. And automated speed enforcement is something that is 24-7, 365. It's efficient. It's effective. The technology is bulletproof. Uh, same thing with our red light camera program. Uh, when you look at what Toronto Transportation has done with the red light camera program, there have been quite significant improvements in safety at the intersections uh, where those red light cameras are in place. So, however, technology is just one piece, and that doesn't make up for a police officer who's out, uh, a trained observer, a trained witness who's motivated and sees the people that are driving along with their phone in their lap or they're speeding or they're driving aggressively. Some of those things are hard to catch by technology. One of the things that I find frustrating about this and looking at uh, the fact that there was a unit and the unit seemed to be successful is that there there seems to be a constant, you know, uh, things are put in place, then they're taken down, then they're put back in place. I mean, we, you know, it, it's kind of uh, two steps forward and one step back on, on many initiatives. Yeah, that is, it's absolutely true. Unfortunately, though, um, at the end of the day, policing is very expensive. Our budgets drive what we are able to do. And as budgets tighten up, uh, we have to try to find new ways of doing things. And unfortunately, we were at a point where we had uh, so many police officers dedicated exclusively to traffic work. There were decisions made in those days that those officers were all absolutely required for what was deemed even a higher priority, which is emergency response to 911 calls across the city. So many officers were redeployed to uh, divisions across the city. And unfortunately, that is, that's the cost of policing. What would you like to leave us with on this? I think it is absolutely critical that every person in this city, whether they're coming for a visit or whether they live here or they come in and out commuting, we all have a role to play in making our roads safe. Whether a person is a pedestrian, a cyclist, driving a heavy truck or driving a car, every one of us has a role to play. We have to follow the rules and we have to coexist so that we can do so safely. Superintendent Scott Baptist of Toronto Police Traffic Services. Interestingly, Superintendent Baptist also told Fight Back that the new enforcement officers will actually be existing officers working overtime, since he says it's a challenging period to attract new recruits to the Toronto Police Service. You're listening to the best to fight back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. It's tire-changing time. If you haven't switched over to winter tires yet, odds are good that you are on a lengthy wait list to do so. When you do get it done, you're being cautioned to make sure the mechanic properly tightens the lug nuts on your winter tires. After scary incidents on GTA highways, where tires flew right off of vehicles and struck other cars. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt joined me when I was filling in for Libby on Thursday to talk about what went wrong and how to make sure it doesn't happen to you. A delivery truck traveling on Highway 407 had brand new tires, uh, rubber on the uh, drive axles of this uh, delivery truck. The uh, tires came off, they separated from the vehicle. The driver of that truck uh, nearly 
uh, rolled himself over uh, as he lost control, went sideways across the 407, uh, scraping down along the highway. Uh, those tires bounced across, hit a vehicle beside them, then bounced over the concrete wall, hitting another vehicle going in the opposite direction, a convertible, uh, which uh, you think about what could have happened. Uh, it's uh, scary to think about that. Uh, he still lost control, went into the ditch, rolled over several times. He went to hospital. He's going to make a full recovery, but uh, it doesn't always end that way. And about an hour later, another SUV traveling on Highway 400 a uh, driver going along, had no idea what was happening. All of a sudden, his front uh, wheel came flying off. Fortunately, it didn't hit anybody, but uh, he was uh, going out of control, ended up on the shoulder, and uh, a pretty scary incident for everybody. And we have seen these uh, result in fatalities and serious injuries in the past, and it's all down to not checking in the proper installation, uh, something happening with the, with those wheels. And uh, by the time you realize those tires are coming off, you've got seconds to stop, if you can even stop in time before those wheels come flying out. What is happening? Why are these wheels flying off? What hasn't been done properly? Either the installer, now if that's you yourself on your driveway changing those tires, or you're going to the shop and the mechanic uh, is not uh, tightening down those uh, wheels at all. Sometimes they may put all four wheels on at once and they just might finger tighten the fasteners on and maybe neglect to go and double check to make sure they're actually properly tightened or if they're installed improperly. Now, I was at a garage yesterday talking to a wheel installer and the equipment and the tools that they use are specific for making sure that those tires go on properly with the appropriate torque values. Uh, and that's something that's very important. And the way they're installed, if you maybe just imagine if you've ever driven, um, you know, with a pickup truck or a trailer and you, you, you put all kinds of cargo in the truck and you strap it down with your strap and you make it tight. And as you go down your road, maybe you stop for gas or you stop at your destination and you get out and you realize those straps are all loose. Did those straps actually get looser? Or did something happen within the load? And likely it's the load itself that is settling down, kind of shifting into a, a place of its own comfort, and the uh, straps are no longer at the, the tightness that they were previously. Same thing happens with your wheel. If you put on your uh, wheel against the hub and you tighten down the first uh, lug nut onto the tire, and then you go back and you tighten the other ones, you may think that they're all tight. But there may, it may not be square. It may not be tight and plumb and true to the hub. And as you uh, tighten them down, you think they're tight, but you drive down the road a few kilometers or a day or so, and now the, those components, they settle together. There may have been some debris. Uh, maybe it wasn't uh, square and tight. And as they settle down, now you've lost that clamping pressure, just like the strap on, on the load of your trailer. And once you lose that clamping pressure, there is so much pressure on those studs and on those fasteners that they will start backing off and, and they will come right off the stud and those wheels are going to come right off with it uh, a second later. And it is a violent experience when it actually does happen. If uh, every time you uh, maybe top up your washer fluid or every time you do something to your vehicle, go look at those wheel fasteners. Do you see a problem? Maybe one of them is missing. Maybe you see rust. Uh, or, or some kind of debris uh, coming from where those wheels 
uh, are are fastened. Uh, we see that often on commercial vehicles. You'll see rust streaks uh, coming down from the uh, the hubs or from the axle points where those uh, wheel fasteners studs are, and, and that may be a warning sign that there may be some moisture in there, uh, some cracks, uh, some a gap that's allowing moisture to. Uh, to, to collect and then is starting beginning to rust. Again, go back to your mechanic once you've gone there once, even if they assure you they're done properly. You know, a, a week later, a couple of days later, go back there again and say, hey, just, just can you please double check it? I just want to have that confidence that uh, these tires are properly installed and they're not going to come flying off. That was OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt and my conversation with him on Thursday. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Tina phoned from St. Catharines to talk about seniors' pensions. We're just not getting enough money. I have a widow's pension, that, that, and I have a friend that is not a widow, and she I only get $100 more than she does, and between all my friends and everything, they get about $1,700 or $1,800 a month for um, pension, but rents down here are over $1,000 for a one-bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. and by the time everybody pays their rent, there's nothing left to live on. I'd like to see... Instead of building all this low-cost housing, that they subsidize directly to rental apartments that would save buildings, so many buildings, and would get people off better. My friend who pays uh, $1,000 rent, and she gets $1,700 a month, by the time you pay your car insurance and you buy a few groceries, you're done. Cheryl called about the problems around snow clearing in the old city of Toronto. We've been, uh, for years, shoveling the snow for the various seniors on our street. And when I say for years, we're now the seniors. But worst part, we're on a dead-end street. And we're in Toronto, so our properties are very narrow. We have parking paths on one side, cars park on the other side of the road. We have no place to cut the snow. So even if they came and plowed our snow, I don't know what they would do with it. But I would love to see on some of the streets like ours, Take the snow away like you used to take away. Make our lives easier. Plow our street, but take our snow away because right now we don't even have a place to put it. Sometimes you can't get into your driveway. There's too much snow on the street. Joan in Oshawa phoned to say she and her husband will be cash-strapped in their so-called retirement years. My husband is the only one that is still working. He'll be leaving his his, uh, job um, next year. But he still has to work. We we have no other choice because we have, you know, we have bills to pay and, and uh, how would you call it, mortgage payments. We don't have a plan. We don't have any money saved up at all uh, because um, when I was working, I was working at minimum wage. Him working now, he's, uh, he's not making uh, all that much more in, uh, in, as far as pay goes. My goodness, the last time we were at a movie was over two years ago. Al in Brantford phoned to offer his advice for properly having your winter tires changed. Part of the problem is when you've got aluminum wheels on a steel rotor or brake drum, you get an osmosis reaction to the aluminum. And when you put a steel wheel back on top or put an old one on, you've got a barrier in between there. If they don't clean that off, you'll never get a true torque. And another thing... 
them them click stop torque wrenches can be out 20 or 30 pounds with nothing, no problem at all being that way. you got to continually calibrate them. The old one with the finger movement, that one was always dead on because you get corrosion between the aluminum and the steel. And if that ain't cleaned off, you'll never get a true torque. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Robert in Mount Forest, who provided some levity when we talked about phone and internet scams. If I get a call, let's just say uh, your window is, uh, is uh, compromised and we need access to your computer, one of the things that I usually simply say to the co- to the telemarketer is, uh, can I ask you a personal question? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I said, is your mother proud of you? Oh, yes, sir. Very much so. Very proud of me. Does she know she's tr- you're trying to access my computer and steal my money? And the next thing I hear is click. That does it for today's Best to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio. AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.